Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined this week by guest analyst Oluwashina Okaleji in Lagos, Nigeria, and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we talk about CAF's latest project, the launch of a pilot inter-schools competition for Africa. It's intended to lead to the establishment of an inter-schools competition in the six African zones and then a Pan-African Schools Championship final. So will it work and will it bring benefits to African football? Plus a look at the CAF Champions League as Simba of Tanzania shine in the group stage and TP Mazembe and Zamalek both fail to reach the quarterfinals. And we speak to Nigeria and West Brom defender Semi Ajay. Can the Baggies escape from the relegation zone? Everyone's written us off, but we definitely haven't written ourselves off. And we're still, we're still fighting. We still haven't given up. That's coming up later. And uh, Ida's away this week, so it's welcome back to another African football expert, Oluwashina Okaleji in Lagos, Nigeria. Hi, Shina. Hello, Steve. Nice to be back here again. Uh, great to have you on the show and uh, lots to talk about. Uh, let's start there in Nigeria, Sheena, because um, in a very unusual move, Super Eagles captain Ahmed Musa has moved back home to play for his former club, Cano Pillars. And his agreement includes a clause that allows him to leave if and when he can find a club in Europe. Uh, tell us more, Sheena. Well, Ahmed Musa has decided to return to his first uh professional club in Nigeria, that is the Kano Pillars. Um, you know, he has a very strong relationship with the team. Um, he's been in Nigeria for over six months now, Musa, looking for a club. He hasn't played um, club football since he left Al-Nasri in Saudi in October. So, I mean, remember, it was a subject of um, transfer um, discussion at West Brom. He was in England. He passed his medical. But um, both um, the Musa party as well as West Brom were unable to finalize the deal because um, Sam Allardyce says the, um, said back then that the struggling club could not financially um, take care of Musa, bringing Musa in. They wish they could, but Musa returned back to Nigeria. And you remember, it was also a huge topic in Nigeria during the last two final qualifying of the AFCON when, because he was clubless, people questioned Genetro's inclusion of the player in his squad. Genetro says an honor, uh, honorary invitation to help their captain, but he won't play. Well, Musa did play against Lesotho in that 3-0 win against um, the Southern African um, nation in the qualifying. And people have been talking like Musa should not be part of the team. So I think what he's done now is quickly um, capitalize on the elite um, agreement in the Nigerian top flight where the NPFL, the organizers of the Nigerian League, allows club to bring in um, a big name that could help boost the image of the team and, of course, add value and quality to the league. So Musa, rather than stay idle, has joined Kano Pillars with a clause that allows him to leave if he finds the right club in Europe um, where he wants to play his football because his targets when he left um, Asia in Saudi Arabia was to play in Europe again. So he's allowed to play and uh, this is a good one, not just for Musa, but for the team as well. Kano Pillars are joint leaders in the Nigerian top flight alongside Kuala United. Musa will add value, quality, and of course, help in the um, in what the NPFL are calling a chance to let the world know the Nigerian league is huge, like, you know, as big as the population itself. So I think this is win-win for, for, for both the player, the club, and the organizers of the league. 
Yeah, the fans must be really excited too. Uh, let's see how that works out then. Uh, to the CAF Champions League, and uh, we're at the quarterfinal stage now. Uh, the group stage is done. Uh, quarterfinals on in the middle of next month. And uh, Simba of Tanzania topped their group ahead of Al Ahly of Egypt. Uh, the five-time champions TP Mazembe of DR Congo didn't make it. Uh, what stood out for you there, Shina? Well, Steve, we can't look no further than um, Simba. I mean, who would have thought? I mean, they were playing um, in, in a group, Group A, with undoubtedly um, three highly recognized clubs in African football. Halmerek, um, they've tasted continental success. AS Vita Club, what more can we say about them? As well as Al Ali, the nine-time champion. So you look at the way um, Simba went about things there. It's unbelievable that they topped that group. You remember Al Ali are chasing their 10th record title in the Cup Champions League. But Simba took care of business from day one. And I was quite impressed with um, the way they went about things. They won away. Um, they, they won away and you look at it. They, they, they beat all three teams. But, you know, apart from losing to um, Alali in the final game. I think Simba had an exceptional outing. And for South African football, it's, it's also a good one for them. Remember, MC Ogier, they are actually motivated this season. It's, they are celebrating their centenary. So they said they want to win the CAF Champions League, a very ambitious club. And for them to go all the way in that their group, they actually showed great intent. So those are some of the highlights of the of, of the um, qualify of the group stage of the qualifying, and I think Zamalek will be kicking themselves because they have a huge chance, but they couldn't just make it. Yeah, Zamalek not there, TP Mazembe not making it uh, through either, the Congolese giants. And uh, one story that uh, really caught my eye, uh, the CAF president Patrice Motsepe settling into his job, and he's welcomed the launch of a pilot inter-schools competition project for Africa. This was launched in uh, DR Congo last weekend. The agreement was signed by Motsepe, by the Secretary-General of FIFA, that's Fatma Samura, and by the Minister of Sports and Recreation of the DRC and the President of the Congolese Football Federation, Constant Omari. And now the Interschools competition is a pilot project which is intended to lead to the establishment of an Interschools competition in the six African zones resulting in a Pan-African Schools Championship final. Uh, really interesting this, Shina, but um, will it work and will it bring benefits to African football? Well, I think there's the saying in African football that catch them young. Everyone talks about that um, cliche and it's been, you know, the catchphrase that people really use in West Africa. And um, I think it should work. Um, it's all about, you know, calf knowing what they want. Interestingly, I first heard about this, like, I think it was two years ago or last year, one of the consultants for CAF contacted me, wanted to reach out to the head of the school sports in Nigeria. And um, I mean, in Nigeria, we have organized school sports um, tournaments, you know, back in the day. Remember, that's how we recruited our first under, under, under 16 team that won the um, FIFA um, under 16 World Cup back then in 1985. The, the first time Africa tasted success on on the global stage. And those boys were pig likes of Ndukao Gbade and um, Jonathan Lapobori, who all went on to play for the Super Eagles, were picked from school sports. So that was already here. So now that CAF has gone ahead to actually um, announce this, I think it's going to work. I just want to understand the modalities and how they are going to work this out because you already look at the struggling continents. I mean, since Patrice Mosepe came on board, he's always talked about growth. He's always talked about grassroots. He's always talked about this. He's a billionaire. Is he going to pump his money in there? Is he going to attract sponsors? Back in Africa, we know some non-governmental organizations as well as um, corporate companies tend to bankroll some of these school sports events. So how 
they want to pull it all together in a continent that is struggling financially with a pandemic, with the economical crisis and all of those things. I really, really would love for it to work. But one thing that I really like in the old conversation president mentioned is the fact that he's talking about, you know, structure at youth level and as well as, you know, um, to provide schools with football facilities and set up young referees recruitment and training programs. Steve, um, we, we, we are a continent where every major tournament in the world, we are talking about not having elite referees, you know, uh, you know, handling matches and all that. If you can catch them young on the pitch, those of them who can't actually um, kick football to save their lives, like myself and yourself, we didn't end up playing football, my turn to the, uh, my turn to refereeing and get a chance to actually participate so this is a good one for the uh for the young ones <laughs> yeah you know what uh maybe i could have made it as a referee uh, thanks sheena stay with us that's a planet sport football africa's Oluwashina okaleji in nigeria standing in for ida this week well on social media this week asking for your thoughts does africa need a continental schools championship so the new CAF president, Patrice Motsepe, has welcomed the launch of this pilot competition for Africa. It's intended to lead to the establishment of an inter-school competition in the six African zones and then a Pan-African Schools Championship final. So what do you think about this? Uh, will it work? Will schools be able to afford to travel? Will it help to develop African football? You can go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, and post a comment there. Or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And still to come, our interview with Nigeria international defender Semi Ajay, who plays for West Brom in the English Premier League. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA, and you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and get to past programmes too in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. Right to social media. Last week we asked what will it take to win this season's UEFA Champions League. Uh, with the competition at the business end, last week we asked for your predictions and your thoughts on what it will take to be the champions this time around. This was before the second legs of the quarterfinals were played uh, in midweek. We've had another tremendous response this week and with your comments, here's Planet Sport Football Africa's Ephraim Tagu. Uh, thanks, Steve. And on WhatsApp, uh, we start today with uh, Momo Komrabai Kamara in uh, Sierra Leone, who says, absolutely, Manchester City and uh, PSG will definitely play in the UEFA Champions League final this season. And Bas Koli in the Gambia agrees. Here's his voice note. Champions League is an amazing league, and you always see magic. This time around, I am predicting PSG and Manchester City. Looking at Paris Saint-Germain, the form, knocking out Barcelona. Coming to Manchester City, they are having a team, but it's like they are a team that is always unpredictable when they come to this stage. So Barca picking out a PSG and Manchester City as potential finalists. Uh, this is despite the English team being unpredictable at this stage of the competition. And here now is Michael Mboka, also in the Gambia. Definitely the two teams that are capable of contending are Paris Saint-Germain and um, Manchester City. Because if you look at it, those teams are just exceptional. They have capable players, and as a matter of fact, they are unpredictable. But anyways, anything can happen. 
But as Sunga in Cameroon has no doubts about who this year's champions will be, PSG to me look highly motivated and disciplined, says Sunga. Disciplined in the sense that they take every match as it comes and they look purposeful in their play, especially going up front. And Saiku in the Gambia agrees. Here's his voice note. For me, I will go for PSG winning the title, you know. I believe that PSG have the strongest players, you know, and it's very competitive too, you know. I will go for PSG, definitely. They will win this title. Uh, to Ghana now, and uh, Richard Deco Ababio says, I think Chelsea will win the Champions League because Chelsea have the man to win it, and everything shows. Yes, uh, Richard referring there to the Chelsea coach Thomas Tuchel and Abizwek Njakwa in Malawi agrees. I think Chelsea can win the Champions League this year, says Bizwek. In football, sometimes a new coach can have an impact on a team. Tuchel knows that to be the team's coach for a long time, he needs to convince both the executives and the supporters, and that can make the players and the whole team play to their best every time. And in Zambia... Dave David Daka also believes that this could be the Blues' season. For me, I can say Chelsea and Manchester City will play the final. But for the winner of the final, I can support Chelsea. Alasana Drame in the Gambia believes it could be the time again for one of the two Spanish giants. Real Madrid battled through after getting their qualification in Group B on the final match day, and they are now my favorites to win the title, says Alasana. And in Ghana, Aparem Bismarck agrees confidence and discipline is what it will take to win the title, says Aparem, and I go for Real Madrid. And so does Lai Sise in the Gambia. Kind of difficult to pick, says Lai, but I will go for the Los Blancos of Zinedine Zidane due to the huge experience that the club has in this competition. And Alfred Mbimba in Malawi agrees, it's all about making the best of your chances, and I guess Real Madrid will win it, says Alfred. And Shamsu in Ghana makes the point well, Real Madrid is winning this year's Champions League, says Shamsu. Looking at the quality in their squad, their charisma and character, Madrid has everything it takes to win the title. But Patrick Mwamlima in Malawi finds it harder to determine which team will win it. Here's his voice note. So it's like um, Real Madrid, PSG and Chelsea have an upper hand. You know they have consistency. So Patrick is saying that Manchester City, PSG and Chelsea all have the upper hand due to their consistency. And finally, Steve will leave the final word this week to Brima Bar in the Gambia. It is always very hard to predict about the Champions League, says Brima. But if I am to vote for the winner this season, I'm going to give it to Manchester City. It takes collectiveness, hard work and dedication to win this trophy. And City has it all. So uh, there you have it, uh, Steve, a wide range of views as we'd expect. But I think we'd all agree with Abrima that the team that wins will need to apply hard work and determination. Thanks, Ephraim. That's a Planet Sport Football Africa's Ephraim Tagu and the semi-finals of the Champions League. The first legs are on the 27th and 28th of this month. Real Madrid playing at home to Chelsea and Paris Saint-Germain against Man City. 
Right to my interview now with Nigeria international defender Semi Ajayi, who plays for West Brom in the English Premier League, and he starred earlier this month as the Baggies won 5-2 away to Chelsea in one of the biggest shock results of the season so far. Well, Ajay has made 14 appearances for the Super Eagles. He's a regular with West Brom, who are still second from bottom. And this interview was recorded before their 3-0 win over Southampton on Monday. Well, Oliver Shina Okaleji first asked Ajay about how things have been over the past year with the coronavirus pandemic and uh, playing in empty stadiums. Yeah, it's, it's been difficult for everyone, but um, as much as it's been difficult for us, I feel I feel like us footballers are the lucky ones. Um, we still. We still get to go to our job, um, we still go to work, we still train, we still play. Yeah, there might be no fans, but it's the, it's the, it's the wider population that I think are dealing with this pandemic a lot. A lot. They've got it a lot harder. Um, people are losing jobs, people have been sick, people have lost loved ones. So my heart goes out to them and our thoughts are with those people because, um, like I said, I think, I think we're the lucky ones. So I'm not going to sit here and say how hard it's been because I think it's been a lot harder for a lot of people. Um, how tough is it knowing that you are unable to reach the fans, touch the fans, feel the fans, but knowing that you're just doing um, all you can to make them happy? Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's difficult because um, we rely, as much as they feel like um, they rely on us, we rely on them also. Um, they give us that extra push, that extra energy, and um, just to be able to give back. Um, so, we, like for example, if we're playing a game and we know it's on telly, we know that we want to give that extra just to give the fans a boost on their weekend. If we, if we come away with three points, we know that even if they may be going through some hardships, that, that win on the weekend or that three points will, will give them a, a boost for that day at least. So um, so we're definitely thinking about them and we can't wait to have them back. Finally, you look at West Brom. I mean, everyone's written the team off completely. You've picked odd points here and there sometimes. How tough is it scrapping for points to stay in the league? Yeah, it's not easy. We're desperate right now. We need we need points as soon as possible. Um, I'd say we, we everyone's written us off, but we definitely haven't written ourselves off. And um, we're still we're still fighting. We still haven't given up. We still have belief. We still have hope. Um, and it's just about taking one game at a time, giving our maximum, and we'll see where that takes us. Hopefully, that that will keep us in the Premier League. But we definitely haven't given up. So that's Nigeria and West Brom defender Sami Ajay speaking to Planet Sport Football Africa's Olawashina Okaleji. Ashina still with us uh, from Lagos. Um, it'll be a shame if West Brom do go down because uh, Sami Ajay has worked so hard to get into the Premier League, hasn't he? Yeah, he has. Um, this is a boy who's, you know, he's been rejected at several places. He was part of Arsenal, if you remember. He's gone all over the lower leagues in, in England to be where he is right now and he actually um, speaks passionately about wanting to remain and fight and stay in the league. It's a tough one, but for Semi Ajayi and for um, Sam Allardyce, it will be one of the biggest stories since Leicester won the league if and should West Brom stay in the league. Yeah, indeed. Uh, thanks a lot, Sheena. Let's go to Stuart Weir in the UK now. Uh, so Sam Allardyce, the West Brom manager, has never experienced relegation from the Premier League during his long managerial career. Uh, can he get the baggies to safety, Stuart? It does look as if Sam Allardyce will lose that record of never having been relegated, despite two successive wins. But, you know, it's been an odd season for West Brom. They scored 20 goals in their first 29 games in the Premier League and then eight in the last two, beating Chelsea and Southampton. But with seven games to go, West Brom are eight points behind Newcastle, nine behind Burnley and Brighton. And with games to come against Leicester, Wolves, Arsenal, West Ham and Leeds, it's hard to see them winning five of them. And realistically, they're going to need to win five games to get out of the bottom three. 
But it was really refreshing to hear from Semi. I loved what he had to say because, dare I say it, sometimes Premier League players come across as rich, spoiled, self-centered prima donnas. There he was saying how lucky he was to have the life he had, that he was better off than most people in society. Really good to hear a footballer speaking like that. And I wonder if some of that attitude comes from the way his career developed and how hard he's had to work to get to where he is. His experience is really the opposite of players like Mason Greenwood or Wayne Rooney, whose Premier League career started at 17. But Semi signed for Arsenal when he was 20, but never got a game. He was then sent on loan to Cardiff City, who gave him a permanent contract, but again, he never played. He went on loan to Rotherham United, who were in the process of being relegated from the championship, and Rotherham signed him permanently, and he helped them get promoted into the championship again. But by then he was 24, and it was the first time in his career he was playing regularly. Then I moved to West Brom at the start of last season, when he helped them get promoted. Now, that is a strange fact, Steve, about his career. He was relegated in his first season with Rotherham, promoted the next season, then relegated again. He signed for West Brom, was promoted with them, and is now in danger of being relegated again. But, you know, Norwich and Watford, who were relegated last season, are currently the top two in the championship. And if West Brom are relegated, I think they would have a very good chance of bouncing back uh, the following year. All right, yes, and they've certainly given us a bit of entertainment this season in the Premier League. And, uh, Stuart, you've told us a couple of times about the difference that Jesse Lingard is making at West Ham, where he's on loan from Manchester United, and the Hammers still right there in the race for a top-four finish. Well, absolutely. West Ham beat Leicester City to hold on to fourth place with, who else, Jesse Lingard scoring two goals. And that's eight in nine league games for West Ham. Now, six months ago, you'd have said that James Madison of Leicester City was likely to be in the England team for the European Championships, with Jesse Lingard having no chance. But while Lingard was scoring two goals against Leicester at the weekend, Madison was left out of the Leicester team after he had attended a party which was illegal under the government's anti-corona legislation. And I think that Lingard will play for England this summer, and Madison now really has very little chance. So it just shows how things can turn around. I'd just like to mention Ben Johnson, who came on as a substitute for West Ham, because Johnson is the 150th player to come through the West Ham Club Academy into the first team since records were kept. An amazing achievement by a club in terms of developing homegrown talent. And I could also mention that West Ham are the first team for more than three years to be 3-0 up in three consecutive Premier League games. That's against Arsenal, Wolves and Leicester City. And I don't quite know what this means, Steve, but the last 14 goals that West Ham have scored have come in the first 48 minutes of the games. And all of the last 17 goals they've conceded have come after 30 minutes. So it seems as if they score early and concede late. Perhaps that's something to work on. But West Ham's win over Leicester City leaves the battle for Champions League places more intriguing than ever. Assuming that the two Manchester clubs finish first and second, we're left with Leicester, West Ham, Chelsea and Liverpool, all separated now by just four points, but with only two Champions League places available. Need to mention also that somehow Leeds United pulled off a remarkable victory over Manchester City at the Etihad. 
playing the entire second half with 10 men. The statistics of the game are really quite amazing. Manchester City had 36 crosses into the penalty area and 29 attempts on goal, and they scored once. Stuart Dallas, who scored both Leeds goals, became the first player for six years to score twice in a Premier League match with none of his other teammates even having one attempt on goal between them. And Manchester City also became the first Premier League leaders since Newcastle in November 96 to be defeated at home while playing against 10 men. There's a statistic for you, Steve. Uh, that's a stat and a half. And uh, Manchester United manager Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was really furious about a VAR decision in their 3-1 win over Tottenham last weekend. Uh, was he justified, Stuart? Well, Manchester United scored one of the best goals of the season against Tottenham on Sunday. McTominay to Fred to Pogba to Cavani, goal. But unfortunately, the goal was disallowed on the advice of VAR. As McTominay took the ball past Tottenham's son, Son tried to pull him back, but with Son behind him, McTominay's arm caught Son in the face completely accidentally, but Son went down in a heap, uh, rather overreacting to the incident, and referee Chris Kavner was instructed to look at the monitor and the goal was disallowed. It's hard to think of a decision which has been more universally condemned by former players. Roy Keane, Jimmy Redknapp, Michael Richards, Jermaine Genus, all of them talking on television. One of them said, if that's a foul, we can all go home. One of England's leading football writers, Henry Winter, wrote, the game is about players expressing their flair in front of goal, not about officials in front of screens looking for ways to rule out the goal. Pogba's elegance and intelligence of pass to Cavani and the Uruguayan forward's irresistible finish were rendered irrelevant by one of those crass, VAR miscarriages of justice that are so damaging to the game. Strong words, but in my opinion, entirely justified. It was completely unnecessary and a wrong use of VAR. Fortunately, Manchester United scored three goals in the second half to win the game. It would have been such a travesty if that error had decided the game. Yeah, indeed. And what else have we got for us, Stuart? Steve, something disturbing just to mention. Uh, this week, UEFA announced that Slavia Prague's Andrei Kudela has been banned for 10 matches for racially abusing Glenn Kamara when Slavia Prague played Rangers in the Europa League. And uh, Kamara has been suspended for three games for his reaction. And another Rangers player, Kemmer Root, was banned for four games for a nasty challenge during the game. What frustrates and has shocked a lot of people is that a four-game ban for a tackle and only a ten-match ban for racism. And several ex-players have said this is the barest minimum penalty. It's a mockery of UEFA's claims that they take racism seriously. Uh, there really has been widespread condemnation of the leniency of this punishment. And uh, so many people saying that UEFA had an opportunity to make a statement but they simply show that they don't take racism that seriously. Now, Steve, I wonder if you've noticed that Mo Salah's last 10 goals for Liverpool have come between the 51st and the 70th minutes. I wonder what he does the rest of the game. And during the first 27 minutes of Crystal Palace against Chelsea last weekend, Chelsea made 170 passes 
to a teammate in the opposition half. Crystal Palace made one. No surprise, it was 3-0 to Chelsea in half an hour. Manchester United's 3-1 win at Tottenham follows losing 6-1 at home earlier in the season, making them the first team to win by two goals away and lose by five at home since 1982, when Manchester City lost at home to Liverpool and won away. Also mentioning the fascinating statistic that United's eight away league wins after conceding the first goal is three more than any other team has ever done in a season in the Premier League. Manchester United's last away defeat in the league was in January 2020, before COVID. That's an amazing away record for Manchester United. Thanks, Stuart. Before we go, a reminder of our question on social media this week. Does Africa need a continental schools championship? Uh, So a pilot competition uh, for Africa has been launched by CAF. The aim is to lead to an inter-schools competition in the six African zones and then a pan-African schools championship final. What do you think about this? Will it work? Will schools be able to afford to travel? Will it help to develop African football? You can post a comment on our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Well, that's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers, and Ephraim Tagu in Harare, from Olawashina Okaleji, our guest analyst in Lagos, Nigeria, and Stuart Weir in the UK, thanks a lot for listening, and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.